Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of the Full Throttle Bike Racing Podcast from Eurosport. This is already the 60th episode of Full Throttle since it started for the 2018 season. We're going to get straight into it because we've got a nice chat coming up with the World Superbike Paddock Show host, Michael Hill, as we discuss some of the changes that have taken place over the summer break. And believe me, there are many of those as we look ahead to the Portuguese round this weekend, which coincides, of course, with the Alton Park round of the British Superbike Championship, where the showdown positions will be decided. So seven weeks with no World Superbike racing. I don't know about you, but that's far too long for me. Let's hope they close that up for 2020. But joining us on the line now on Skype is Michael Hill, good friend of mine and the Paddock Show host. Michael, finally... Finally, we're back in action. I actually can't wait to get going this weekend. What about you? Yeah, no, I can't wait. Um, and to come back after the summer break to Portimao, the roller coaster track, isn't it? It's just, uh, we've always had great racing there for, for the last sort of four or five years. And uh, yeah, can't wait to get back. Now, it seems as though you and I are the only two people in the paddock who are actually doing the same job. Because since the last round at Laguna Seca, it seems like pretty much every single rider in the field, except Jonathan Ray and Chas Davis has moved teams. I mean, where do we start? I suppose we've got to start with Scott Redding, haven't we? Yeah, how good is that for the championship that uh, that Scott is coming into the championship? And we all know what a character he is. And I've been following and been involved with Superbikes since I was sort of 18, 19 years of age. And I just remember back in the the early days of, of World Superbike, the characters like Keeley and Foggy and uh, Harger and Corsa and, you know, beers, beers on a Saturday night and just the proper, yeah. the proper rock star um, sort of rider, if it were, if you sort of get what I mean. And I think Scott just is the epitome of that, isn't it? You look at his Instagram, you look at the following he's got, you know, crowd surfing at Snetterton. And, you know, he took to Instagram when I made a comment about, oh, welcome to the championship. Look forward to seeing you on the paddock show. And he's like, well, I'm going to burn it down at some point. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> well, we do want pyrotechnics, you know? So, no, I mean, I think we just, we need characters like that. You know, I think we've got a great championship with a great mix of riders across all three categories even you know, sort of going back to the junior uh, or the 300 cc world championship as it's called um, you know we've got some great young riders developing there um which hopefully are going to move through the ranks and you know i, I just can't wait to get back I just, but as you said it's, it's been a long time hasn't it it has been a long time how would you feel if the paddock show was burned down incidentally i'd cry i wouldn't i wouldn't sleep for a, for a month mate i'd be uh, i'd be devastated <laughs> but um no i mean joking aside though i mean uh, you, you, whether you're a 
whether you're an avid fan of, of World Superbike or not, you've, you you can only really commend what what Dorna has done and, and, and what the team have done um, within the World Superbike Championship to really bring the fans close. Um, and I'm not just saying that, you know, because I, I work for Dorna and, and that's my job. But if you look at it, you look at the pictures, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go to, to other championships um, this year, same, same as you. It's there's nothing quite like it, is yeah, it? No, it, yeah, exactly. It is something unique. It is something unique, and you're always going to get you know people that agree or people that don't agree. It's the same when when they said, oh, we're going to bring the park Ferme and everything in and the podium into the paddock, and you know, a couple of years ago, everybody said it wouldn't work, and it did work. And you know, I think you know, championships aren't the same, are they? World Superbike's been going for 32 years. Um, it's never going to be the same as it was back in the days of 100,000 people at Brands Hatch, you know, uh, because MotoGP has changed. You know, back in 1990, there was only 14 or 15 bikes on the grid when when anyone is championship. So things change, championships develop and evolve. And um, certainly for the small part that I play in, in World Superbike, you know, it, it makes you feel quite proud when you see the fans coming in and especially a lot of young fans now. That's one thing, I don't know if you agree, but certainly this year, I've seen a lot more young fans and families coming into World Superbike, uh, certainly in the paddock area, and, and with the likes of Scott Redding, the following that he's got, you know, when you couple that with the following that Jonathan's got, and, and obviously Alvaro coming in, and potential other riders that might be coming in, it's going to be a great season next year. But we've still got four great races to go this year. I think paddock show wise, it is absolutely tremendous, and obviously we've got the Monster Energy stage, which comes to selected BSB rounds, and you've already mentioned that we had Scott Redding crowd surfing there, and the Yamaha riders were up there. Of course, the McCams team is sponsored by Monster, so they were involved. And, you know, even talking to former colleagues of mine, Mike, from Dorna, you hear them actually praising the paddock show. And again, I'm not just saying this because you're on the line in this podcast, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I can almost see them uh, bringing similar ideas into MotoGP over the next few years as well. And it would be great to see. And I think you're right. There are more families now getting involved. And that's nice, isn't it? Because you, like Formula One, for example, we love car racing as much as bike racing, but you're not going to see that in the Formula One paddock you'll certainly see it in the World Superbike paddock. Yeah, and no, I agree. And obviously, you know, I've been lucky the last sort of, sort of over the summer break, I got to do three Moto America races and they're trying to, to sort of obviously broaden their horizons and bring bring sort of new fans and families in. And, and I think, you know, you mentioned obviously the, the, the Monster Energy stage, which, you know, I don't think that's set up to try and rival the paddock. So I think it's a very different um, proposition. And I think it all works. Anything that brings riders and fans together for me can only be a good thing, whether that's on a stage, whether it's a pit walk, whether it's a, a track walk, whatever it is, you know, that can only be a good thing. And I heard actually on a similar note, going slightly off topic, the British Touring Car Championship is going to try something I've certainly never heard of this before. I don't know whether you have from their Snetterton round, which is coming up very soon, they're actually going to turn the garages around so the cars face into the paddock side, not into the pit lane side. So they're going to just reverse the garages, which is a nice idea, isn't it? Because it means all the fans on the paddock side, because they can't walk down the pit lane, it's dangerous, but they can walk down the paddock side and look straight into the garages. So I think, I agree, anything like that, which allows the fans to get closer, is fantastic. Let's talk quickly about Bautista, Alvaro Bautista, because, I mean, who would have believed it? Isn't it crazy? Remember when you and I did a podcast earlier on this year and we were saying, yes, Bautista's got a big lead, but Jonathan Ray's had all these second places, as he had at the time, and we were talking about 2002, when Colin Edwards fought back and beat Troy Bayliss. We talked about 2009 when Ben Spees fought back, and we'll talk about Ben Spees in a moment, and he beat Harger that year. And sure enough, we've had a, what, a 124-point swing, I think it is, in 10 races this year. And Jonathan Ray isn't just edging Bautista out. He's miles ahead. I know it could still change. And then we hear the news that Bautista, unofficial, but we pretty much all know, he's off to Honda. So, I mean, unbelievable changes over these last two months or so. 
Yeah, I mean, I think in that podcast, I think the words that I used were on, along the lines of, you know, the, a world champion isn't defined by the number of race victories he's got. It's yeah, just yeah, defined yeah. by the number of points at the end of the year. And and that's the same in any championship. We had, I had a conversation with someone in, in America last week where they were talking about the dominance of Mark Marquez and, you know, not wishing any ill fortune on on any rider. But mechanical breakdowns can happen. You know, accidents yeah. happen. You know, um, you've got to be there. You've got to play the long game. And, and, and that is why Jonathan Ray, for me, is on his way to becoming the greatest super. I mean, it's difficult to sort of quantify whether he's the greatest because he never raced against Fogarty, never raced against Edwards. You know, so I don't want to use those terms, but certainly he deserves the accolade of being the most successful racer of all time. And I, and I would go as far as to saying, you know, if he, if he wins this year, this will be the greatest title that he's ever won. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Given the, given the dominance of Alvaro and Ducati at the beginning of the year. But, you know, where did it all go wrong for, for Alvaro and Ducati? You know, I mean, that's the point. I mean, he made obviously a couple of silly mistakes, a couple of little crashes. Crashes happened. Jonathan's crashed this year, you know, so he's not, you know, he's not blemish free in terms of accidents. But I think maybe as well at the beginning of the year, um, maybe we just didn't realize how how on the limit Alvaro was. You know, he was winning by 10, 11 seconds. And then the last few rounds in, in Jerez and then obviously the disaster that he had in, in Laguna, maybe he was actually more on the limit than any of us thought. I mean, we, we're never going to know because he's never going to ad- admit whether he was on the limit or what the problem was. And there was speculation that the crash in, in Jerez was, was maybe a mechanical, which has never been verified or not. But... Alvaro's just got to come back strong now to, to Portugal. You know, you don't win 11 races on the bounce, 14 races in your debut season, which incidentally uh, is the, the same number as, uh, as Ben Spees. Um, they're the last rookie to win the World Championship. But, yeah. you know, you don't win that many races yeah. and forget how to ride a motorcycle. That just doesn't happen, you know. So we, we've got, I was going to say eight races, but we haven't. We've got 12 races because we've got the, uh, the Tissot Super Pole race now. Yeah, I, I need to keep remembering that as well. It's quite difficult. We've got it set in our minds, haven't we, that there's two races per weekend, but not anymore, three this year. But that, that again, I think, is, is another great great initiative or another great dimension to, to World Superbike this year. Yes, you may only get 12 points for, for winning the Tissot Super Pole race, but we've seen championships won by half a point. So, you know, we, we've seen Jonathan make a few mistakes. I think it's very, very unlikely, given his pedigree that he's going to make mistakes but yeah i agree you know look at look at portimao last year pole position went to um to laverty if memory serves me right went into uh into turn one got taken out by chavi forest game over zero points so yeah it just you could he could become an incident you know could be part of someone else's incident you know anything can happen in racing championship's not over a strong weekend from jonathan will put the hand firmly on the trophy though won't it he i mean alvaro's got to beat jonathan whether it's first to second second to third fifth to sixth whatever it is he has to finish ahead of jonathan in all three races, just to keep the pressure on Jonathan going to France. Um, but I mean, on, on paper, it's a tough ask. But then we said the same about Jonathan at the beginning of the year, saying he'd never turn a deficit around that Alvaro had. So I don't know. I'm always the optimist. I like to, you know, it's not over till it's yeah. over. Um, we just want it to be close, don't we? Yeah. We just want, from a commentary point of view and a fan point of view more than anything, a close race and a close championship. It doesn't matter who wins. Yeah, for sure. But I think, you know, we, we're all, everyone is naturally talking about Jonathan. If he wins this championship, he will be the most successful rider ever. Um, he will obviously get ahead, completely ahead now of, of, of Carl Fogarty with, with five titles. But there's a lot of other riders in the mix, isn't there? We're talking about, obviously, Scott Redding's come to the championship. Eugene Laverty has already got a great deal for him. I mean, he's likely to be alongside Tom Sykes, although it's not official that Tom's going to stay there. I think it's it's unlikely that Tom's going to move. That's a strong BMW team for next year. Uh, Chaz seems to have found his form. Um, you know, he was strong in the test. He was super strong at, at Laguna. You know, if he's got his mojo back for these next 12 races, 
you know, who would have thought potentially Chaz Davies could still finish top three in the World Championship yeah. after the start to the season he had, you know? I mean, well, well, just looking at their reaction, sorry to cut in, but the, the test we had, uh, not this weekend just gone, but the one before, so it will have been two weeks by the time we get to the round. The interviews there, if you look at the difference in body language and the way they're speaking, the two Aruba Ducati teammates, it's incredible. Chaz Davies is absolutely full of confidence now, isn't he? Just as he was after Laguna. Yeah. Even more so, I think, now after this test, which has confirmed the changes. And Bautista's almost a bit... I get the feeling he's a bit defeatist. I'm still a bit... Shoulder's still hurting. I'm going to have to put fewer laps in on Friday to make sure I can finish the races. I hope Bautista can do it, but I've got a few question marks. But, uh, yeah, how good is it that Chaz Davis is back on top? Yeah, it's great to see Chaz back on top. You know, like I was so disappointed to see at the beginning of the year that, you know, just for whatever reason, it didn't click. He couldn't find the setup that he wanted. And, you know, it, we hear it so many times, don't we? Racing is all in your head. Yeah. It's all in your head. And if you've got something that's not quite there, you know, you get a bit of confidence. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just so happy for Chaz because he's such a great guy off the track as well. Do you know what I mean? He's a really, really nice guy. Um, you know, I'm quite fortunate to get to know all of the riders. They're all great riders and they're all great people. But... You know, Chaz is, is is always great with the fans. He's always one of the last ones to leave the paddock show. You know, he's got a pl- loads of time for his for his fans. Be interesting to see how he gets on with Scott Redding, though, um, given the yeah, various yeah. comments on social media. But that's going to be an interesting dynamic, actually, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, let's just quickly recap the grid for next year. Obviously, it's not all official, but plenty of rumours, plenty of reports around. So, um, button whenever you want, Mikey. But I think, as far as I'm aware. We've got two-year deals for 2019 and 20 for Jonathan Ray at Kawasaki and Chas Davis at Ducati. So they're both they're both signed there, confirmed. Well, one more year, yeah. They're fixed for next year, and then obviously they'll be in negotiations for 2021 and beyond. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jordi Torres has just re-signed with the Pedicini Kawasaki team. That's out there. They've got a new uh, Italian headquarters opening, I think, soon in the next few months as well. So that's good stuff yeah. for the Pedicini team. And You've already so... said Eugene Lavati's confirmed. Sorry, back to you. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, they're also going to run two bikes, I understand. So Pedicini are probably going to run two bikes next year which is great um, for the championship they're going to run two bikes in Supersport and Supersport 300 uh, 300 as well so if that comes to fruition they'll actually be the largest team in the paddock right okay we don't yet know who's going to be on that second Superbike if it happens though do we I suppose that could go anyway plenty of names in in the mix plenty of names in the mix Uh, Reiterberger's names in the mix Savadori's names in the mix um, they're two two names that have been wildly sort of put around on the internet. Uh, I'm sure they're talking to other people, but you know, whichever the second rider is, that again can only be good for World Superbike. It's another bike on. The- yeah, absolutely, and we do need a few more bikes on the grid at the moment. Not loads more, but we could do with a few more. I think, um, but as long as they're quick and competitive, obviously, I'd rather have a smaller to medium-sized grid full of competitive bikes and riders than uh, some really slow ones at the back as we had a few years ago. That's my opinion. Anyway, um, you mentioned Lorenzo Savadori there. Just very quickly about Lorenzo. He's been out this year, of course. He's been racing in the Italian Championship, winning races there with the Aprilia. He's been in Moto E as well. I think he deserves a place on the World Superbike grid, don't you? He needs to build his confidence again, though. Yeah, well, he's another rider for me, along with Chavi Forres, that I've said it quite openly. Those two riders should never have lost their places on the World Superbike grid in the first yeah. place. I mean, Well, last year, we didn't have, we just didn't have enough bikes for riders, did we? I mean, a lot of people were left out last year. Loris Baz was another one. Yeah, no, yeah, and great to see Loris, obviously, back with Tenkate. We understand, although he's not signed, there's an option there for him to stay. You would assume that Loris is going to stay with Tenkate, and they also are looking to maybe move to two bikes as well. So whoever yeah. Gets, yeah, I've heard that from a few people. Yeah. I think that probably will happen. And whoever gets that second Tenkate seat, that's a good bike. That's going to be a yeah. good bike and a good team as well. Now, one of the riders who could get that second Tenkate seat is Alex Lowe's. We believe he's been offered 
potentially that one or maybe a GRT seat on more or less the same conditions he had at Pata Yamaha. But quite a lot, I have to say, of negative feeling on Twitter from some fans saying Alex hasn't been treated very well by Yamaha. That all comes down to opinion. Whatever your opinion, I think it is fair to say he's been a bit out of luck there with the way things have gone because despite being third in the championship ahead of his teammates, I know Vandermark's been out hurt for a few races, but despite that, Alex Lowe's has not been retained by Patty Yamaha for next year. It'll be interesting to see what he does, Michael. Will he stay in the Yamaha family? Will he go somewhere else? I mean, Pachetti Kawasaki could be an option. Barney Ducati could be an option, although I understand part of the Barney deal doesn't come with some of the lucrative perks such as all your travel costs covered and accommodation so maybe the rider would need to bring extra sponsorship but you could see Alex Lowe's going to Pachetti for example couldn't you or maybe even Honda yeah or even alongside Jonathan Ray that's the latest rumor that was going around again this is all speculation I don't know I mean people say that to me all the time well you must know you must know and I'm like genuinely sometimes news is news breaks and we we are the last to know so yeah. um, you know he's linked to a lot of teams um then obviously you know if he does go to, to Kawasaki then where does Leon Haslam go you know you know he's openly said he expects to stay with Kawasaki, but which Kawasaki? Um, you know, Honda, as we've said, you know, Honda is supposedly launching a new bike, which I believe will be launched uh, by the Japanese um, manufacturer at Aikma, uh, which is the big motor fest, uh, which takes place in, in, in November. Um, but then what happens to, to Morawaki Altea? Do they stay as a, an independent team? Do they change manufacturer? Do they, do we have four bikes from Honda? Do we have six bikes from Honda? Um, Oralac Racing, you know, uh, Julio Bardi team manager, he's done an interview, which I've seen on the internet today, where he said that without a sponsor, we're not going to we're not going to be able to go racing. But then you've got Tati Mercado doing an interview in Portimao saying he'd love to stay with the team. So there's always two sides to a story, isn't there? You know, and, uh, and a team manager and someone that's looking for sponsors will always have a different outlook than a rider will have. Um, and again, how truthful are some of the rider comments that they make? You know, we other riders we have mentioned. Oh, but the likes of Leon Camier and people like that, you know, he's probably one of the most un unlucky riders on the grid for the last two years. Unfortunately, got injured. Where does that leave Leon Camier? You know, does he go back to, to BSB if there's options well, there? Does he? Do I can see that happening. Uh, apparently, talks going on perhaps with the PBM team and Leon Camier right now. So who knows? Yeah, you know, and then you've got other riders that are in in, in British Superbike, the likes of Xavi Forres. You know, does he stay where he is? I mean, talking of Forres, I think he's had a great debut season. If it hadn't been for Scott Redding, everyone would be raving about. Um, yeah. Forrest, you know? And also, let's just be honest, Mike, um, he could he could be in the showdown at the end of this weekend at Alton Park for BSB. He could actually be in the showdown on the Honda, which we know is not the best bike on the grid, but he could be in the top six by the end of this weekend. Imagine yeah, that. I think one of the podcasts we did earlier in the year, I think... Um... Did you? I think one of the questions you said, who, who's your outside bet for the showdown? And I said Chavi Forrest. Yeah, I think I did too. I, he was definitely in my top six. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, that's only because you're a world superbike commentator. Honestly, it's not. We know how strong he is. And if he stays in BSB next year, which remains to be seen, he could well be a contender, certainly for race wins and maybe even for the championship. Forrest next year, if he stays in BSB, is a, is a title contender because he knows the tracks now. Yeah. He knows the tracks. Yeah. And that's the point. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a difficult one. But one thing we can say is that the grid for 2020 in World Superbike is looking probably the strongest it's been for 10 years. Um, there's other riders, of course, in Moto2 and MotoGP still without riders. And names keep getting banded around, whether it's with Honda, whether it's with a satellite BMW team, you know, with everything that's going on with Lorenzo. How, how funny would it be if Lorenzo just turns his back on MotoGP and comes and joins Alvaro? I mean, I, I don't know if that's true. That's just me putting it out there. But I mean, how, how great would that yeah, be? Yeah, I know. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't see it happening, not yet at least, but 
But I agree. I mean, it, to have a top flight MotoGP rider coming across to World Superbikes, and it has happened before, would be tremendous, wouldn't it? We've got Scott Redding coming already, who is, to all intents and purposes, a MotoGP rider and may well be the BSB champion by then. Time will tell. But yeah, it would be tremendous, wouldn't it? We've already had that rumour earlier on this year, which a lot of people at the time said it was a crazy rumour, about Johan Zarco and Honda. But that one still hasn't gone away either. Although it does look, to be fair, as though that top HRC team, which we think is going to be even more HRC next year is probably going to be Avro Bautista alongside Takumi Takahashi. And if the entry list for this weekend is anything to go by, that backs it up, doesn't it? Because Takahashi will be on the Honda this weekend. Leon Camier, it was strange actually, Mike, wasn't it? The press release said he had successful surgery, but he's still not back this weekend. It makes me wonder whether we'll see Camier back on the Honda at all before the end of the year. We don't know, but it's certainly my feeling. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think you can read... People will always read into these kind of statements, yeah. whatever they want. I mean, we don't know just how how much surgery was required. Yeah, uh, and it was a nasty, what, complicated shoulder injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just what, I just want to go back to one point that you just made, though, Greg, about you know how good is it for World Superbike if we have top class MotoGP riders? I understand what you're saying, but I think that I think people underestimate, and I think Jonathan Ray and uh, you know even the likes of Toprak, Michael Vandermark, Lowe's, um, we're, we're underestimating actually just how quick the top riders that we've got. You've got maybe ten riders in World Superbike that I think could score points very, very easily in, in MotoGP. And I know, some, I know some people will disagree with me on that, and people will say, no, no, you can't compare, you can't compare. But I think that you you can compare because, you know, Alvaro's come in and on paper, you know, after the start of the season, he's the one that's that's cracked. He's the one that's crumbled and made, the, made more mistakes than Jonathan. And Jonathan's made mistakes, you know. So is it fair to say that, that World Superbike is a, is a lesser... Class. It depends. You're not comparing apples with apples, are you? Do you know what I mean? And I know. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, I think. Can't get attacked now, and people will say, "Oh, it's because you're working World Superbike." And what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, of course, MotoGP is the, is the pinnacle. That's where it's the prototype yeah. uh, championship. Of course, that's where everybody aspires to be. But I don't think that you should discredit the talent that we've got in the World Superbike. Oh, absolutely the same, not. The same I... as I don't think you should discredit the talent that we've got in the British Superbike Championship. We've got some really, really quick riders. Look at Peter Hickman, prime example. Comes in as a wild card. Uh, at Donington Park and um, is running top four, top five every single session on a bike he's never ridden. Which, was, to be honest, was very much overlooked by too many people, wasn't it? Because obviously that weekend we had that big controversy about the yellow flags going out and people crashing under yellow flags and all red flags and all that business. But the Hickman thing was very much overseen. No, I agree with you completely. I think if a MotoGP rider comes in, it's good from the point of view in terms of the the headlines it brings with it and you know all the drama and the no name coming in but i agree i think certainly if the kawasaki team as well and the aruba ducati team and several of the others in the pit lane are better in my opinion than some of the lower moto gp teams if you look at the way that kawasaki racing team is run that's a moto gp team isn't it in the world superbike paddock um but definitely Several of the top world superbike riders could contend in MotoGP, but it's all about the bike, isn't it? And this is why Jonathan Ray's chosen not to go there in the last few years. If he's not on a top factory bike, he reckons there's no point. He'd rather be winning in world superbike with a good package underneath him. It makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, I guess the question, I mean, I don't know what you think, but let, let's say, you know, there's, there's 12 races left. Jonathan wins the fifth world title. He's odds on. He's the favourite. Uh, yeah. You can't yeah. see him making a mistake. The Kawasaki Touchwood is is genuinely a, a very reliable uh, package. He wins the title this year. He then, he's obviously signed up for next year. Whether he wins a sixth title, if he does win the fifth one, of course, um, remains to be seen. Whatever happens, he's going to be a contender. 
What does he do in 2021? Because his contract is up. Does he stay at Kawasaki? Does he does he take the gamble and and, and say, right, you know what? I've, I've proved everything here. Do I move to another manufacturer? Um, or, or does he do what he said he may do? Hang up the leathers, be involved as an ambassador of Kawasaki and, and, and live a nice life with Tash and the boys? Yeah, well, I can certainly see him doing that, to be honest with you. I mean, from a an achievements point of view, there would be no more to achieve, would there, in terms of breaking records? Unless he's on 99 race wins and he wants the magical 100. Yeah, unless yeah, exactly. If there's something like that, you can see him doing it, can't you? But we know he's very much a family man, Jonathan Ray, and I can't see him being along for too much longer, relatively speaking, which I guess in the nicest possible way everybody else will be pleased about because they'll have a chance then. Or does he do a Rossi? Does he do a Rossi and race to Lisbon? Well, you 40? never know. Well, you never know. I mean, he, Jonathan said he'd like to run a Super Sport 300 team at one point. I remember him saying that on camera in an interview when the Super Sport 300 car started. He'd be, a, I think he'd be a very, very good manager or slash crew chief. Yeah, I think he would. Just, just seeing the way that he is with, um, with, with Jake Tyler, his little boy, and you know, and obviously the, the postings that he puts up there and, and he comes from a motocross background. So he's, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, th- I think Jonathan as a manager would be, would be really, really strong. Well, actually, and the motocross thing you mentioned as well, that would be interesting to see whether JR feels he wants to go back and do something with that. Because I remember even when he was a world superbike champion, 2015, 16 sort of time, I think even at the start of 2017, he was still describing himself on his Twitter feed, his Twitter handle, as a failed motocrosser. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> You've won a few World Superbike titles. But motocross is in Jonathan Ray's blood, isn't it? And I, in a way, you can see him going back there and doing something with that in the future. Yeah, I think that's where his heart sort of was, wasn't it? He? he wanted to make it in that area. And I mean, we're, we're talking about Portimao. I mean, and, and you mentioned him earlier, Ben Spees, 10 years ago. Was the last Yamaha ten years ago world, uh, world Superbike champion, and for the fans that are coming to uh, to port him out, they're in for a bit of a treat, aren't they? Yes, they certainly are, because I know that the Yamaha press department have been very busy getting Ben Spee's schedule sorted out, and he's going to be on commentary duty pretty much the whole weekend, isn't he, Michael? Because he'll be doing, uh, joining Julian Ryder and I for free practice two on Friday afternoon. He'll be back with us for race one on Saturday afternoon. And then, of course, he's going to be up on the Paddock Show stage with you as well. Yep, he'll be doing his second live commentary. He did a commentary with me uh, last year at, at uh, Mizano. Uh, we did an interview with him earlier this year uh, at Imola. But, uh, no, he's going to be joining us for commentary. It's always great comment. That's one of the one of the nice things we've been able to do this year is, is actually get a lot of legends and a lot of former champions up on the stage. I mean, I did a commentary with John Kosinski and Fogarty at, uh, at Laguna Seca, which was just incredible. Uh, obviously, Ben Spees, Troy Corse has been up on the stage as well. Troy Bayliss, you know. So that's uh, again, if, if you've never been to World Superbike, there's it's not all about the stars of today. We are mixing it with uh, some real legends. And as you say, ten years ago, I can't believe ten years. I'm still only 26. Bloody hell. <laughs> I was going to say before, actually, when you were talking about how long you've been involved in watching racing for, I was going to say oh, that's a good 50, 55 years now. Then, Michael, just very quickly before we sign off, though. Regardless of the championship, regardless of who wins, where it's won, how many points it's won by and so on, what do we still need to happen? What do we think will still happen this year? For example, in my opinion, and I'm sure you'll agree, top back Razgati Oglu is still very much overdue that first race victory. It's nearly come on a few occasions now. So is the Pacetti team. I can see that happening. Could it even happen this weekend? Because he was very, very quick in the test last week. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Fully agree. And Toprak is, is such a great kid. He's got a lot more confidence now as well, certainly in terms of the way that he's 
obviously learning English more. And, and, and you know, he's, he's, he's actually a really, really funny character. Other things that I'd like to say, I'd like to see uh, Tom Sykes get a BMW win. Um, I think yeah, that's that could happen. That is deserved. Um, I think Laverty on the podium for Go 11, he was quite open and honest, wasn't he? When he mentioned, uh, mm. I'm back to full fitness. I promised him that we'd get on the podium. He came close in Aragon, uh, unfortunately. Very, very close, yeah. So Portimao is a track that he's always gone well on. Pole position last year. You know, I don't think he used a qualifying tyre um, or a softer tyre in the test and was the top Ducati. So don't discount that. That would be good to see, especially after all of the, the troubles and the injuries that he's gone through as well. It would be good to see Laverty on the uh, on the box. I'd like to see Lowe's get another win, maybe get a double win. He's never had a double, has he? So that, that would be good. And to be honest, he needs to. And he's going to be riding. He's riding for his future now, isn't he, Alex Lowe's? Yes, we know he's got offers and quite a few of them, three or four at least. And of course, he's managed by Neil Hodgson, who's very well connected in the paddock, 2003 world champion. But yeah, he's riding for his future. He is absolutely going to be going hell for leather now. That's going to be really good to see. Yeah, and Haslam. Let's not forget Haslam. You know, the runner-up in the world championship before. He's been on the podium this year. It would be nice to see Haslam get a win. Um, just really to put the marker out there to say, hey, look, don't overlook me. I deserve my spot alongside um, alongside Jonathan. You know, it's true, isn't it? I mean, I didn't actually realise this until I did some research earlier on. Every circuit that uh, that Haslam has tested on, he's been on the podium. Wow. This year, you know. So uh, when they've gone to circuits where he ha- they haven't tested previously, he hasn't been. But they go back to a circuit where they've tested and he's been on the podium, you know. And, and Haslam is a class act. You, you don't win the races that he's won. And you know, he's been at the forefront of world championship racing for years, hasn't he, Haslam? I mean, he can ride a motorcycle. Um, he's the reigning British champion. He struggled a bit to get his head around the electronics. He's also had a couple of crashes where he wasn't fully fit. So, you know, a fit Leon Haslam for the final 12 races. Could be uh, could be one to watch. Well, there is a lot to play for, and it's also going to be interesting now to see the sort of relationship between people like Top Racking Pichetti, Alex Lowe's, and Yamaha, Alvaro Bautista and Ducati. All people we know are leaving their current teams at the end of the year. You can't tell me now the relationships won't be different within those teams. If Alvaro Bautista goes to the Ducati factory at Bologna now, there's going to be certain doors and certain rooms he's not going to be allowed to go into because there'll be certain things he just cannot be privy to now because they're going to be talking about... Do you not think? Do you think or do you think that Ducati want... I mean, Ducati haven't won a world championship uh, world championship since Carlos Checa. You know, they, they want to win bad. So do you really think that if... I mean, I don't know. I'm just... I'm, Devil's advocate. You're right to do so. I I don't think he will be no because basically, as far as I'm concerned, now that is a Honda rider almost acting as a spy within the Ducati team. I know that's a very strong thing to say, but they don't want all their secrets for next year. Take it. I'm not sure. I'm not. Com- I know what you're. I know what you're saying, and certainly in terms of the the factory element. But if you turn up at a, at a circuit and they have a new exhaust that's worth half a brake horsepower or a brake horsepower, you honestly think they're only going to give it to Charles? <sighs> I don't think they'd only give it to Chaz. I think they'd give it to both riders if there is anything new coming. But surely there's going to be little details they don't want to give to somebody who's leaving the team now. Surely. I don't know. Depend. Maybe it depends what happens this weekend. Well, I was going to say maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just say. Yeah. Theoretically, let's just say Jonathan Ray had a difficult weekend and Batista has a really good one. And all of a sudden they're in contention. You're so cynical, aren't you? So bloody cynical. Well, well I don't know. Maybe. Am I being too cynical? I don't know. Um... We'll see, won't we? We'll see what happens. <laughs> it's a good point, though. It's a fair point that you raise. Absolutely. Um, from the Puchetti side, I think they will give Toprak 
all of the support that they've given him. Um, well, they need, they want to win a race and they really could do with winning as a team, couldn't they? They want to win a race and, and it would be a nice ending to that fairy tale story. You know, they've, they've brought Toprak through since he was a 15, 16 year old kid. He's won championships for them. He's won races in every single discipline for them with the exception of, uh, of world Superbike. So I think it would be a nice way. And I don't think there's any love lost. Um, mm, no, no, I don't want well, That's not the wrong term. Is it? I don't think there's any animosity between the two. I think I, I think that Manuel understands the reasons. I mean, we don't fully understand the reasons, but I'm sure that internally um, they will understand the reasons. Oh, yeah, I think that's important to underline. It's not a falling out no. between the Pachetti team and the rider and his manager, who's Guinness of Ogle. It's more between Kawasaki's decision at Suzuka and whatever went around that to lead to that and the rider and his manager, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it, it could also be to do with future plans. Mm. You know, Keenan Sofoglu knows what he's talking about. Toprak is still only 21 years of age. Maybe the plan is if you go to Yamaha, there's a door open X, Y, and Z. Maybe that's one of the reasons. I mean, again, it's not confirmed, but if Alvaro, you know, if he is confirmed at Honda, maybe there's a link there that gets him in a testing role or something for the future that the Ducati couldn't give him in MotoGP. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a load of things behind the scenes that we will never ever be privy to, you know? Yeah, yeah. We mustn't forget, very quickly before we go, World Supersport, there's an ongoing battle there. Um, now, they weren't given race tyres for Portimao to test with last weekend. They were only given new 2020 race tyres, which is good for developing the new tyres. But it does mean we don't go into Friday practice with everything sort of confirmed in terms of setups. They've got to go about it as a usual weekend. I don't quite know what the Superbike riders had in terms of tyres. I'll check with Pirelli ready for our practice commentary on Friday. Uh, but I'm just going to skip over, gloss over the 600s because the 300 title could actually be sewn up this weekend, couldn't it? And I know you've been doing some of the maths on this, but basically Manuel Gonzalez could be crowned world champion this weekend. Yeah, he could be. Um, he needs, well, if he wins, basically the, the simple way to look at this, if Manuel Gonzalez wins and Ana Carrasco or Andy Vidoya uh, are lower than second, so basically third or below, Manuel Gonzalez is the world champion. Right, and that could happen. That could happen. Yeah. There's a whole load of other permutations in there. What's interesting for me is that um, if Manuel Gonzalez does win um, the uh, the World Championship, he will be the third consecutive rider from Spain to win, yeah. following yeah. obviously Mark Garcia, uh, Ana Carrasco, and then obviously Manu. Um, but he would also be the youngest world champion. Um, he would be younger than when Mark Garcia won the championship because he's still only 17. Yeah, which is amazing, isn't it? It's a class you can compete in, of course, from 15 years of age, which is one year younger than Moto3, which is great. Just allows you to get onto the world stage a year a year earlier. But yeah, I mean, he's a good talent, isn't he? He won the European Talent Cup, didn't he, a couple of years ago and was very, very strong already there. But cool, they start them young now, don't they? Um, let's just quickly talk about World Superbike in terms of the calendar for next year because we don't know exactly what's happening but I get the feeling we might have another round or two hopefully we will let's see I hope the summer break gets closed up although the general feeling is South Africa would have been on the calendar this year a couple of weeks after Laguna anyway so it would have been a five-week break not a seven-week break but what do we know for next year we know that it's starting again in Australia don't we on the weekend of the 1st of March your birthday indeed uh, and the 1st of March for the Sunday um, I believe Thailand might be off the schedule, which is a bit of a surprise, but others are already confirmed. I think Aragon, Assen, Imola, Donington will be in July again. That's what we're certainly hearing in the paddocks that we're working in. Uh, Qatar at the end. You're trying to push me here to say something that might get me in trouble. So uh, 
I can't comment on on the calendar um, in terms of what is confirmed and what isn't confirmed. Um, but there is the round in uh, Outer Mongolia, which you were telling me about earlier today. Guatemala is on the calendar. Yeah. Mm, no, no, yeah. but I th- no. I think joking aside, I think that the the, the plan from from uh, World Superbike is that we get the calendar sooner than later, which I think would be a, would be a good thing for everybody. Yeah. And uh, Greg Levy has said before. Let's be honest on the record that they're hoping for maybe an extra round or two. So let's see. Yeah, Gre- Greg Levy has, has said that, and I think there's no there's no sort of high away from the fact that they'd like it to, to go back up to a 14-round championship, which would be great. Um, I think it was good that Laguna was back on this year. I think it's good mm. that we have an American round. I think, obviously, the fact that the, the dates have already been confirmed for Phillip Island is is fantastic. So, uh, you know, if, they, if that is one on your bucket list that you want to go to, get your get your flights booked now because you'll get them dirt cheap. And, and Phillip Island is a great circuit. You've been there. And I think in terms of the other, other calendar events, um, again, there's speculation about Thailand. I haven't genuinely haven't been told yes or no one way or the other whether it's on or off. So I, I can't comment on that. It'd be a shame if it is off. But then again, I, c- I can see it happening, Mike, because obviously, yes, it started in World Superbikes, started in Thailand, but there's a MotoGP race there now. You could understand maybe the organisers wanting to focus on that. Uh, but on the other hand, if it does happen, if it does disappear, it'll be interesting to see what potentially replaces it on the calendar. Yeah, but I mean, we've seen this over the last few years, haven't we? We saw Bruno was on the calendar, then Bruno was off the calendar, then last yeah. year it went there, then this year it was off. Um, we've seen that the same with Jerez, you know. So, was Sepang on. was very brief, wasn't it? Yeah, was it Sepang just three, Sepang. four years? Yeah, a couple of years with Sepang and off. So, you know, I think what what is always good good for me is that you know, I think we do have a good spread of, of rounds. I think everybody would agree that the summer break is is a little bit too long. I mean, yeah. for the likes of me and you, it's a little bit different because obviously I'm involved with another championship or have been this year and, and so are you. So we don't really get the full effect of a, of a seven week or in, in, yeah. in super sport cases, an eight and a half, nine week break. And even the riders, because a lot of them have been at Suzuka, haven't they? Jonathan Rayleigh on Haslam, of course, winning Suzuka. Yeah. So they've not had so much of a break either. And then the Portimao test. But from the punter's point of view, yeah, it's too long. Of course it is. Yeah, I think if, the, if, if, there, was a, if there was a possibility to, to have a round in the middle of the summer break, so you get a three week break, a race and a three week break, I think everybody would be happy with that. Yeah, that Whether would work. Whether it happens or not, let's wait and see. But, you know, I think if, if you're, you know, as you say, there's a lot of speculation that there may be extra rounds. Um, the fact, obviously, that the, the calendar is already out for MotoGP. Um, you know, you've got the first round of, of World Superbike and then a week after the first round of, of, um, of MotoGP in Qatar would lead me to think that if Thailand is on, there's going to be a bit of a gap because yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't have three overseas races back to back like that. It just wouldn't work. Um, I, I can't remember a calendar that's ever done that. So if Thailand is on, I would assume it's maybe pushed back a little bit. I don't know. Um, I would assume the back to back from Aragon to Assen would probably be on. I can't see Imola coming off the calendar. Uh, I know everybody moaned about the fact that racing was cancelled, but you can get freak weather in any race, can't you? You the thing with Imola is, yes, OK, they, they pretty much acknowledge with what happened this year that the circuit is too dangerous if it rains. And then question marks came over whether we should be racing there at all then, knowing that if there is rain, you can't race. On the flip side, though, I don't know about you, but I do think, and I know Paul Denning, the Pata Yamaha team principal, has got strong opinions on this. And I completely agree with Paul. It is very, very important for World Superbike to have these different circuits to MotoGP just to differentiate well, yes. the championship. Exactly. Laguna Seca, uh, Imola, Donington. It's important to have these different venues on the calendar. Yeah, I, I agree. 100% agree that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to go to the Jerez of the world. It's nice to go to Mizano. Of course it is. These, these circuits are fantastic facilities. But I think, you know, what has always been quite unique with World Superbike is we've always gone to venues typically where the main championship 500cc or MotoGP as it's now known 
don't go. For example, Sugo in Japan. I was just going to say, I mean, I think that would be good to see. And I think I'm surprised really that we still don't have a Japanese World Superbike round. Surely it's coming in the next few years with people like Kawasaki winning the championship. How good would that be if we could go back to Sugo? I don't know whether Suzuka would be homologated, but anywhere in Japan would be great, wouldn't it? I'm not even sure that Sugo even exists or whether they build houses on it. But um, it, it would certainly need a lot of work. And I think I did see a video about five or six years ago of Sugo and also Centaur, uh, which is where uh, Whittam, James mm, Whittam, yeah. first and only win. In 94, yeah, I Indonesia. I remember seeing a, an Instagram story from Anthony West last year and he was racing around the corner and there was basically shrubbery growing in the middle of the track while he was racing around. So Unbelievable. I think, well, Centaur yeah. is in a terrible condition, I have to say, because they did an Asia Talent Cup race there a year or two ago and it was unbelievable. I wasn't there, but I saw some of the footage. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was incredible. incredible. But, then there but are in other... terms of Japan, though, Mike, I mean, there's other places, aren't I there? I mean, say, yeah. Um, yeah, there's other tracks, surely. There's Mategi, obviously, where MotoGP goes. There's Fuji Speedway. There are places. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I know we've been to Russia in the in the past. I'm not sure Russia would be back on the uh, the table, but there's been other circuits um, that were mooted around as well. Then Kazakhstan, I believe, there's a circuit there. We're now going to Finland uh, with MotoGP, so I guess there's a circuit there. Brazil uh, and Chile have both been mentioned for World Superbikes, maybe even MotoGP the last few years. Yeah, Canada. I mean, we've not been to a race in Canada for a long, long time. Um, New Zealand. I mean, there's plenty of tracks in New Zealand. While we're already on that side of the world, let's just pop over and have a proper Pacific yeah yeah and of course let's not forget there are some of those what i call the mysterious tracks which did host world superbike rounds in the early years manfield in new zealand hosted world superbike you have the brainerd international raceway in minnesota minnesota yeah um you know there were some of these tracks that you look back there oh crikey it hosted a round of world superbikes which was a very different prospect back then but they hosted world superbikes but i mean there's, there's other tracks in germany i know we don't go to um uh, the Lausitz ring anymore that's all been taken over but you've got Oschersleben you've got the Nürburgring we've also got Austria you know we could go back to Bruno I mean Bruno when it was back on the calendar last year was a great event well uh, that was the most newsworthy weekend of the entire week uh, yeah of the entire season wasn't it Alex Lowe's winning his race uh, the two Kawasaki's running into each other Jonathan Ray took one of his historic wins. I think it must have been his 60th career win at the time. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. It was, wasn't it? Because I mean, he did his 50th at Magni Corps the previous year, 60. I mean, it's amazing how quickly they're coming. But yeah, Bruno was tremendous last year. Um, the Nürburgring you just mentioned, that was definitely mooted as a possibility a couple of years ago. It's only, what is it, five years, I think, since World Superbike was last there anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and there's obviously there's going to be other other circuits and other countries that want to get involved with Dorna, I'm sure. Um, you know, there's uh, the Asia uh, Road Racing Championship. There's plenty of circuits. China, for example, have a number of circuits. Zhuhai and uh, is is one of them, and uh, I think they go there for Formula One. Um, as well so you know there's loads of loads of circuits that we could go to and we know that um, Indonesia of course if it all goes according to plan with the track will be on the calendar in 2021 for MotoGP and World Superbikes yeah so that's another one to look forward to and I think ultimately I, I think if World Superbike got to 15 rounds that's probably the maximum you'd want wouldn't you you wouldn't want to start getting up to the realms of 18 19 races that just wouldn't work so well, no quick when you think it's three races per weekend as well exactly exactly so I, th- I know I think if you know, 13 or 14 rounds for next year with the, with the calibre of grid that we seem to have. And obviously, we've still not realised, you know, fully the grid. Obviously, Sandro Cortese will be on the grid somewhere, we hope. There's speculation about Krumanaka moving up, Caracasulo moving up. So we're going to get some new names, maybe new teams coming into the championship. So I think if, if we've got between 22 and 24, as you call it, top top class riders, riders that deserve to be there. Yeah. Um, on good machinery, good racing. 
Uh, Supersport, I know everyone is saying it's dying, but you look at the races we get in, in World Supersport, the racing is fantastic and we have a full grid um, every race. We have 60 riders, well, 58 riders on the grid in uh, in Portimao. So over the course of this year, we'd have had about 83 or 84 riders, I think we're currently at, in the um, if you'd work out individual riders in World Supersport 300. So the championship as a whole, I know everyone focuses on World Superbike, but the championship as a whole is a great championship. Oh, World Supersport without fail. I mean, it started in 97, didn't it, as a World Series, then became a World Championship two years later. But it has always been tremendous motorcycle racing and it still is isn't it yeah. it always has been and especially this year you've got the two teammates bashing hell out of each other at every corner and they're not friends which also helps for the spectacle mm, doesn't it does yeah, yeah and then of you've course, got yeah. Jules Cluzel who's just the, the Neely man isn't he he's, he's been there so so many times and he's knocking at the door and you know it, it's only going to take one of these hard moves where they're chopping each other up Caracasulo and, and Krumanaka to go wrong and, and, and Cluzel gets a win and let's look at the next last four races I know you were saying gloss over Supersport but we could have a real final championship here because we go to um to portimao where cluzel has been always strong uh, unfortunately he got taken out last year but he was he was fast magnicor i think cluzel's won four of the last five years from memory uh, mm. he's certainly strong there argentina he's strong you know you only take three or three races like that and krumanaka's second or third and what is a 40 point lead is suddenly down to 13 points it's all to play for in qatar oh yeah could easily happen it could easily easily happen and the last few years we've had tremendous finales in world supersport haven't we Safoglu versus Myers in 2017 uh, Cortese and Cluzel last year with that atrocious weather we had on the run up to the race the sandstorm and things getting destroyed and water all over the circuit in certain bits and it still went ahead and what a race we had. I mean, it was one of the most memorable race days we've ever had for that reason, wasn't it? It's going to be great. I mean, I think and I think we're going to be for a grandstand end to the season in, in all of these championships that we've been talking about. I can't wait. And anybody listening, please keep a close eye on all of these other championships as well. Of course, BSB and World Superbikes very much on Eurosport, but we also bring you coverage of the Australian Superbike Championship. Moto America is on Eurosport. Who knows? Could somebody from Moto America come across to the World Championship? You've got people like Cameron Bobbio doing great things. You never know. He's raced in World Superbikes before. Keep an eye on that championship as well. Anyway, your uh, paddock show is obviously underway this weekend, Portimao. When are you first on stage? Uh, we kick off uh, 9.30. 9.30 on Friday morning, and we run through until about 5.30 on Friday. We've got a new look opening day show, so we've got uh, nine of the top riders from all three classes. Um, it's the first time we're doing that uh, this year, so that'll be really cool. Um, loads of competitions, more riders on stage, um, the usual super show, which will run on. Uh, again, there's no clash uh, here, the same as we had at Donington with the uh, the pit walk. So if you want to go and do the pit walk, go and have a look around and then head back over to uh, to the, the fan zone. Uh, there'll be loads of things going on uh, right the way through till about 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. Uh, and then, of course, on uh, on Sunday, we've got uh, our, our sort of main day for guests, obviously Ben Spees, Miguel Oliveira. A uh, whole load of, of other riders that will be joining us as well. So it should be a great, great weekend on stage, great racing on track. So, Michael, I'll see you out there on uh, Friday morning, probably during the, maybe just before free practice one, who knows, but if not after that. And uh, let's see what happens. Let's see whether we get a top rack win. Is Jonathan Ray going to extend the league? Can Bautista bounce back? So many questions. And then, of course, there's all these questions off the track as well as we look towards 2020. Michael Brian Hill, thank you very much. 
Hope you all enjoyed the chat there as we get ready for World Superbike to return. And don't forget British Superbikes as well, for goodness sake, with the showdown positions to be decided this weekend at Alton Park in Cheshire. So it's Cheshire and the Algarve for British and World Superbikes this weekend. Quick reminder of those times, UK times. All the coverage starting on Eurosport 2 from 11am on Saturday and half past 10 on Sunday morning. Quest will also be showing all of the live BSB action on Sunday between 1pm and 6pm. So watch out for that on Quest as well. And of course, as ever, there's ongoing coverage of all the support races and everything else on the Eurosport player. So Matt and the team will be there at Alton Park. We'll be over in Portugal. Loads of action on what is the only BSB World Superbike Clash weekend of the 2019 season. We will see you from Portugal and from Alton Park. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.